Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and the founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. Hope you've had a good week and hope you enjoyed the bonus episode on Monday and that you had a, have had a chance to listen to that. So uh, yeah, thanks again to Sheila and to Murray for joining me on the show for that special conversation. And so I'm really excited to introduce this episode and actually this was the first show I recorded or interview I recorded with two guests, although it's coming out chronologically after Monday's uh, Monday's episode uh, but I was joined by Laura and Nicole uh, from Psyched Convos and uh, they took a little bit about what they do but um, I really enjoyed having the chat with them and what is really exciting is I also recorded an interview on their show Psyched Convos which is coming out on Friday so on the 10th so if you listen to this uh, I'll put the links to their show and then on Friday you can take a listen um, and I am the guest, uh, which is, um, yeah, a fun side of, uh, of podcasting is being a guest on other people's shows and it's a, a slightly different dynamic, slightly different experience, uh, but really enjoyable. So yeah, take a listen uh, to that where I sort of talk about mental well-being a bit more generally uh, and my take on that. So yeah. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We are tackling another big topic this week uh, when we talk about emotional abuse. So uh, I hope you find the conversation useful, insightful, uh, and that you get a lot out of it. And I'll be back very briefly afterwards. So let's dive in. Hi, everyone, and I'm really excited to welcome our first double act, I guess, <laughs> to the podcast. We've got two guests today. So we are joined by Laura and Nicole, and I'm going to pass over to them to introduce themselves to you. Yeah, I'll go first. So um, I'm Nicole. So we are Psyched Convos. Um, we have a podcast uh, that talks a lot about psychology and relationships and personal growth and the kind of intersection of how all those work together. And we are creating some programs and courses around these topics and relating them how, basically how to help you reach your fullest potential um, and kind of do things even in despite of fear. That's kind of my more prerogative or mentality, kind of going after what you really want, reaching your fullest potential. And so we are creating some programs and courses around helping uh, mostly women do that. Yeah. And I, um, this is Laura, I am, um, actually my background is a therapist, so I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor, and I have my own private practice for over, um, over 12 years now. I, Nicole and I just have always talked about um, psychological stuff and really enjoy it. And so we just uh, talked with each other one day and said, you know, why don't we uh, do this on a podcast? Because we thought it would be really helpful. And uh, one of my passions really is to help people with, with self-esteem, uh, finding, um, being empowered, you know, uh, living their best life uh, through my practice. I think I, I see that as kind of the core issue behind, uh, you know, people who have depression or anxiety or even uh, relationship issues, stuff like that. So it just seemed to be such a, a core part of everything. So I think we kind of just 
melded our two thoughts together and started. <laughs> Amazing. And how do you find it working together in this way now? Because you are a mother-daughter jurist. Uh, how is that? How has it, um, has it changed your relationship at all to be working together? Um, well, we're still pretty new at it. So it's definitely a work in progress. Um, I think a lot of times now we, we talk a lot more probably, um, even though if it is more towards this type of business stuff, like what we're working on and, but it's, it's definitely an interesting dynamic. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I think it's probably a little bit easier to do it this way than to work with just someone who is just a friend. Uh, Cause I think you could be a lot more honest and upfront and kind of really understand each other better. So we kind of both know where we're coming from and our strengths and weaknesses. So in that sense, I think it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. I think we've actually really learned about each other. I think our, our strengths, strengths and weaknesses, I think we complement each other in a lot of ways. Um, we've also just really, I mean, there, it's not like it's been completely smooth, but I think because we've been focusing and working together, we've kind of worked through a lot of things together. And so that's been really um, positive. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's only been, been a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not sure whether I could work with my, my mom or my stepmom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love them. Uh, not sure. I could maybe I could work with my dad. Maybe I don't know. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, we're very, very. Yeah. I, I could not. <laughs> yeah, we're very close and very similar. I think uh, me and my dad. So that would maybe be better, better dynamic. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so, so that's awesome. Yeah, I was so I was doing a little little digging, a little research. I was like, oh, mother daughter. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so we are um, going to talk about emotional abuse today and. One of the things we like to do in the podcast is talk about lots of different experiences that can have a big impact on our well-being and abuse and emotional abuse definitely fit under that um, umbrella. So yeah, I want to maybe we just dive straight in and um, I wonder if you could explain what emotional abuse actually is. So for anyone listening who's like, oh, what I've heard it, I don't, I don't really know what it means, what it might look like, maybe explain a bit around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and start? Sure. Sure. So emotional abuse is really an attempt to control somebody without getting physical. Uh, so we, we talk about abuse and a lot of times that involves physical, but this is um, without physical. Um, although with physical, there is always emotional. <laughs> so, um, but it doesn't have to be physical if it's just emotional. And um, it really is uh, something that you know, when you're in a relationship, it, the person who's a, the, is the abuser is really attacking the nature and the ability of the partner. So it's, it will involve like maybe overt angry outbursts or name calling, uh, but sometimes it can be very, very subtle and more like a brainwashing. And so you're not even, sometimes when you're in a relationship like that, you don't even realize because the abuser will kind of code it in sort trying to show like they're doing it in a caring way, but you kind of just notice there's something not quite off or you don't quite feel good, you know, you, but you're, you're confused about it because you see the partners trying, it looks like the partner's trying to be helpful, but it doesn't come out somehow to build you up. So, so that's the general gist of that. 
Yeah, and I think a big thing too is, and this is maybe not necessarily super um, easy to detect, but the abuser is someone who is typically very insecure. And that's where that controlling aspect comes from because they don't feel secure in themselves to you know, keep that partner around just by being who they are. So they have to start taking the, using these control tactics in the relationship. And also it's not, it's not necessarily just relationship with, um, you know, romantic partners. This can be parent child, this can be friends and work relationships. Um, so this can apply to any type of close relationship. Mm, yeah. And I imagine that for someone who is experiencing emotional abuse, whether it's the overt uh, type, like you said, or that more subtle, that I think that's a really important point to remember that it's about the insecurity of the abuser because I think our natural inclination can be what's wrong with me why why is it happening and actually I think it's yeah it's really important to remember that it's something about that person that need for control the insecurity rather than it being something inherently about the, uh, the person experiencing it yeah and I think we we talk a lot about like in this, we just actually did um, an episode on our own about uh, narcissism that kind of is reminding me of that. And um, it is kind of what we talked about on that is it really does come down to, you have to kind of trust yourself and trust your intuition because basically what an emotional abuser is doing and someone who's maybe a narcissist is trying to brainwash you and trying to kind of make you question your own reality. And so it does come a lot back down to really trusting your own self and your intuition. And it does sometimes uh, emotional abusers will present um, very charmingly to out people outside the relationship. And so then everybody else will kind of when if you're the victim, you're, you know, saying things about the abuser that maybe nobody else sees. And so they question your judgment, at which in turn causes you to question your own judgment and what's wrong with, again, focusing what's wrong with me, rather than realize uh, this is all a manipulation by the abuser. And there is a, a lot of times there's also this sort of trying to isolate the victim from the rest of the world. So they will present, uh, either they'll kind of keep the victim from contacting people outside the relationship very much, or they'll, like I said, they'll present themselves very charmingly to everybody else, maybe very helpful. And so then the person that's abused, you know, they question their own reality because they're like, well, everybody else sees that this person a wonderful person what's how come I don't see that am I being too sensitive and am I seeing things wrong so it's a real that's where it comes into the really the brainwashing it's very confusing mm. yeah and you, and you said about the manipulation there and I think that's a really important thing to remember isn't it they're manipulating the entire kind of situation and and how they are perceived by other people and I guess giving you that sense of doubt of oh am I Am I, you know, is it just my perception? Is it all in my head or? Yeah, exactly. And there's something called gaslighting. I don't know if you've ever heard of that term, but that that is the, that's the term for making someone almost like feel like they're crazy. Uh, and through that manipulation, so they'll, the abuser will say something or do something and then later on will deny that they actually did that. And so you start questioning again, as the victim, you start questioning yourself because you're, you're so clear that you 
heard them say that or you saw them do that. Uh, and then they will so totally deny it. And, and that's really, again, that kind of crazy making feeling. Uh, and so that, that's called gaslighting. And that's a, that's a pretty strong indication of, um, that's like a hallmark of like an emotionally abusive relationship. Mm. And does that, I guess, tie into maybe this, um, I, I know self-esteem is something that you mentioned that you're really interested um, in and that you're supporting people with. And I imagine that when you have someone who is maybe just wearing you down emotionally, that your self-esteem suffers. So then when you have that gaslighting, you just, yeah, you kind of, I guess, lost that sort of strength of self to be able to know, I do remember that, that did happen. There's that doubt there. Right. Absolutely. It, you know, even if you go into it with uh, a healthy self-esteem, it's, it's something you can't completely avoid because it becomes so part of the relationship. Um, kind of like, you know, when they have prisoners at war, you know, they're all, they lose, a, again, they lose a sense of their reality. And so it, you can't help but start losing pieces of you, you know, in the, in the relationship. And um, so even when, so yeah, it is definitely, it pulls your self-esteem down. And then of course, as your self-esteem goes down, you have less ability to see things clearly and it just becomes this vicious circle and so it's so very hard to come out of and really see it once you're in it mm. so and I imagine if you're you're in it and the self-esteem is being eroded then trying to leave that situation m must feel so yeah impossible to a lot of people because of of all of that another thing that someone who's uh, emotionally abusive may do is if they sense that the victim is starting to kind of get a grasp on what's really happening and maybe make, starting to stand up for themselves or saying, you know, I'm maybe threatening to leave, the abuser will tend to start becoming um, kind of, I guess, accommodating the victim, you know, trying to show that they're going to change, um, they are doing better, you know, showing, being more loving, that kind of thing. And then the victim will be like, you know, kind of, think, oh, maybe they've changed. They've really heard what I had to say. Um, so, you know, I can let down my guard now. And so you let down your guard and then little by little, the abuser will just slowly start uh, doing the things they were doing. And so then the victim is kind of hoping, well, that was just a slip, you know, but then before you know it, it happens again. And actually that's called of abuse. Um, it just goes in this circle and it gets so hard to pull out of because you keep hoping as the victim, you keep thinking and when they get to that positive point, oh, they finally got it, you know, and so you fall back in and then you lose your feelings of self-esteem as it creeps up again. And so it's this constant circle. That's why it's so hard to get pulled out unless you're really aware or, or have some kind of intervention or, or seek some help in some way. Yeah, I know they say that it typically, especially in physical, uh, physically abusive relations, but emotionally as well, it takes usually multiple times of trying to leave to actually be successful at it. And I think it, yeah, it comes back to um, really just recognizing and knowing that, oh, noticing the patterns and becoming aware that this is, this isn't going to change. This isn't going to stop. This is just a pattern. And this is what their um, way of thinking is. And this is just their way of being. And once you can kind of fully recognize and be aware of that, that's when hopefully you can make the actual change and stick with it. Mm. 
a question that it would be interesting to know your thoughts on and um and this might be something that that people you know are, are curious about whether someone who is an emotional abuser whether it is possible for them to change and to move away from that yeah i mean i think we we talk about this a little bit um i think that an abuser, it's highly unlikely, I, I guess. Um, and it really depends on how far deep they fall into that category. Cause like we, we kind of talk about how things kind of fall on a spectrum. So not, you know, if you're an emotional abuser, you're not just like this one thing. It's like, it's, there's a huge spectrum of where you can fall on that line. And, um, once again, it comes back to, I think, awareness. So if the emotional abuser can become aware of their patterns and that they are actually, um, using these behaviors, then if they seek out how to fix that and work on themselves and better themselves, then they are able to um, make that change. But I think it's usually not extremely likely. Yeah. Part of the reason I think for that is because when uh, the abuser tends to look toward the other person. So there's so much focus on the control outside of themselves. So they're not looking inward. They're not looking at really deeply what's going on for them they're really busy focusing on how do i control all these people in my life or this person in my life uh so so it's very hard for them to take to switch around now and look at themselves and say oh am i doing something wrong and that again because they really stem from a, a very low self-esteem that's extremely hard for them uh almost like it's just, just very painfully hard for them. So it's, again, depending on the where they are in the spectrum, can they improve? Yes. However, the closer they are to the, the higher end of the spectrum of an emotional abuser, uh, the more traits uh, that they um, display, the less likely uh, they will uh, be able to improve. And they tend to not really want to go to counseling, or if they do, they don't stick with it. Mm. So. Hmm. It's interesting. I, I spoke to uh, someone on my podcast. I think it was the episode that came out last week, and and so she's, um, I guess, a kind of therapist. And uh, her husband is a narcissist. She was saying, and I don't know uh, whether she would say it was uh, emotionally abusive, but she did, did talk about him being a narcissist and actually him wanting to work with her. And it wasn't because he was concerned about other other people. It was because he was unhappy in himself. So it was. Um, still a very self-centered reason but the knock-on effect was was positive <laughs> for the family but I suppose uh, if you're in that mentality of it's that there's nothing wrong with me it's yeah. everyone else then actually you're probably not going to turn that intent attention inwards to right to recognize that yeah yeah it's very hard to make that shift when you've been thinking one way for so for your whole life basically yeah. And so we talked about gaslighting and we talked a little bit about sort of overt emotional abuse. So possibly, you know, making really obvious comments and name calling and those kind of things. Um, but I wonder if we could talk a little bit more about any of the more subtle ways that emotional abuse might show up. I think maybe a good way to describe more subtle, because sometimes people will say, well, no, my partner doesn't. They do allow me to go out and do things and make plans and you know they don't tell me I can't do that um, but then I question let's say they they allow you to do that but if then they are maybe they're calling you all the time while you're out or they kind of have a uh, a, a way of acting 
when they say, yeah, sure, go out, you know, there, there's maybe this negativeness behind their voice, and then maybe they um, interact with you in a negative way. So you're kind of paying for it, even though they don't straight out say, no, I don't want you to go out. They're, they're acting and making it miserable for you because you made that choice. So that's, that's one way that maybe people, you know, that's more covert. It's not like directly um, saying you can't do this kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's, it's making you feel guilty. Um, so they're allowing you to do whatever you want, but if you, they, but you know that if you do do that, that you're going to kind of pay for it later or be made to feel guilty about it later. And you know that that's kind of coming. So then in a sense, it probably deters you from actually doing that because I guess you have to weigh your options. What's more important to you? Do you want to go out and do what you want to do? Or do you have want to make your partner happy and like kind of fulfill what they're um, requesting of you? So it's kind of like weighing the two sides. And I imagine if you do the thing, you're going to feel guilty the whole time and have that sense of, oh, you know, what's going to happen later or they're going to be upset mm-hmm. that um, I've done it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it kind of ruins your time. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So that would be an example. Mm. Yeah. So we, we've sort of mentioned that, it, um, that about the cycle of abuse and about how it can be so, so difficult to leave that situation. And um, obviously that's going to be a really highly personal situation to the, to the individual. But I wonder whether there is any uh, advice or any thoughts you would offer to anyone who's listening to this, who is recognizing their own experience in this and maybe having those thoughts about leaving. I think um, I'll start real quick to touch on this, but um, I think kind of like what I said earlier, being coming aware for sure. Like you said, that like you're starting to recognize these patterns. That's you have to be firm, I guess, in your awareness of it and not kind of waver um, and being kind of like, Oh, well now, he, now they're doing a lot better. And now I feel like, he's they're actually changing and so then kind of dropping that level of awareness um so keeping firm in that and um building up that self-esteem even if you are in an emotionally abusive relationship that can be obviously more challenging but um when you are aware of that and you know that one of the best ways to stand up for yourself get out of that relationship or um setting firm boundaries with that person is to uh feel better about yourself and build up your own self-esteem first yeah i think when we're talking about setting boundaries um it has to come from a firm uh emotionally controlled base so a lot of times you want to when you talk about okay you need to stand up for yourself and sometimes people will start doing that but they'll engage maybe in, in yelling back at the partner, you know, you can't do this to me or whatever, something like that. The problem with that is that then the partner, it becomes this power struggle and the partner then uh, it's, you know, always has to gain back that, that power. So the more, so when you say firm, it's, it's almost like you disengage emotionally, but you set that line and you just stick with it. And if that partner um, doesn't abide by what you're asking them to do, then you then you end the conversation. You remove yourself, um, and you don't have to do it violently or whatever. But you just firmly say, "I'm I'm not tolerating this behavior." And when you can uh, treat me in a respectful way, then we can have a conversation. So that's sort of that um, kind of firmness to approach any conversation. Uh, so you just don't allow it. 
you just don't allow it. If they go there, uh, you don't allow it. You also want to point out, you don't want to get into the defense mode because if you get into, you know, they're telling you they can do this because of how you're behaving and maybe you try to defend yourself. The idea is that, but them trying to control you that way is the actual abuse. So you want to point out the abuse, not defend yourself. So if they're saying something in a way that's putting you down or condescending, you point out and say, the way you said that is a very condescending, not defend what they said, because that's really not the point. You want to uh, uh, hit on the emotional abuse. So, so those are some ways. Mm, that's really helpful. Thank you for that. And I, I wonder whether we could explore a little bit, because we've obviously talked um, a lot about in, in the partnership uh, setting, but as you said, it's not exclusively in, in that domain. And um, I wonder if we could talk a bit about family, um, because I imagine that's much harder to separate from if you have an emotionally abusive family, because I know I'm not saying it's easy to leave an emotionally abusive relationship by any uh, stretch of imagination or like friends or anything, but with family, the I think that's harder because it's a, a blood connection. It's that, yeah. Well, I think sometimes, because I've worked with adolescents, sometimes that's really hard because they really don't have any other place to go. <laughs> um, mm. That is really hard. Um, it's more than an internal recognition that they realize that the, let's say the parent is being that. Um, and, and that's something very hard to prove. So it's not like they can just up and leave. Um, but so, so it's kind of an internal recognition, recognition that they're not, that this is wrong. Um, they're of the parent to, to behave this way. But then in terms of when, you know, in older relationships, I think it's, it's about setting, kind of coming up with to what level do you want to maintain such a relationship. How close do you want to be? What's what do you need it to be? But that in a way that's safe for you. So you might consider, okay, I can tolerate getting in this family gathering for only this amount of time or this often. Uh, so you set some parameters around how how that interaction is going to happen so that you have that protection. Uh, and if it gets too much, you know, then you can pull out. So you kind of have to gauge and see what's enough for you to maintain that connection. So maybe you don't feel so just like completely having to cut off family members, but um, also make it so that it's something that feasible that you can do. Yeah. And I think um, improving that self-esteem too can really help with that. So when you do have to interact with them and maybe they do say something that's upsetting, you are able to emotionally disengage from them and recognize that this is about them, not you, and really not taking what they're saying to heart and not personalizing it and realizing that, that it's not about you and it's not about anything that you're doing and there's nothing wrong with you. It's, it's them. Um, putting that on you. So having that self-esteem and build, building that awareness again as well is I think um, helpful when you actually, if you do have to interact with the person. Mm. And I think if you've, probably, if you've got stronger um, self-esteem, it's maybe easier to maintain that boundary and enforce mm -hmm. that boundary. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
So uh, before we move on to our set questions, I, I guess I'd like to talk briefly about the impact of emotional abuse. And if you've kind of come out the other side and you've had that separation, how you can start to heal from it um, to move through it. And I wonder if you could share some thoughts um, around that. I think, you know, I think uh, working on self-esteem, uh, recognizing your rights as a human being, uh, that's really important. Recognizing that you have the right to be treated with respect. Um, you have the right to feel safe. Um, you know, so kind of really working with um, those uh, boundaries and recognizing that. I think you have to learn to trust your gut again, um, because I think it has, it has a way of really causing you to mistrust yourself. And so it's little by little putting yourself out there slowly, but also then paying attention to when you notice something's off, don't discount it, you know, look into it, take it for really, don't just, you know, minimize it uh, and honor it. And, um, you know, so it takes, it's, it's a slow process of rebuilding your own sense of trust. Of course, I think counseling <laughs> is having support in some way. Uh, I think talking to friends or family that are supportive is great. They may not always understand all the intricacies of, the, of that type of relationship. So it might, as though it can be helpful, it might not give you completely the um, grasp of how to actually help yourself. So, yeah. I also think um, forgiveness is a big thing that can help as well. And, and it's not only forgiveness for the other person, but forgiveness for yourself as well. So, and again, it doesn't mean that you are saying what the other person did was okay, but forgiving another person is more freeing for yourself and it allows you to not be held down or controlled or, um, you know, keep keeping yourself in the past. So it's a lot letting yourself kind of let that go and free yourself so that you can move on and begin to form healthy and normal relationships with people moving forward. And then, yeah, forgiving yourself for um, being in that situation and, you know, knowing that you did the best that you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant reminder about that forgiveness. And I think sometimes people, the idea of forgiving someone else particularly if they've, if they've um, hurt us in some way, we can be resistant to, but like you said, it's about us and it's for our own well-being rather than, um, yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if you have anything else that you want to, um, to mention about emotional abuse, anything else that you see a lot of in, um, in your work or just any other final thoughts? Well, I guess I would say with emotional abuse, um, you know, sometimes we just have to know when to walk away. Maybe we can uh, make changes if we start setting our own boundaries with people and they start responding to that. But know that it that sometimes it, we just have to walk away and that's not because you tried hard enough or you didn't do it right or whatever. Um, but we can only control, control what we can control. We can't control other people. And so sometimes the best choice is to walk away. And, and sometimes that's with family members too. And, uh, and again, it doesn't mean that you can still love family members and still not have a, um, an actual relationship with them, knowing that that's, that's the situation. You can still love them, but you might not be able to be 
uh, have a relationship with them. And that's okay. Okay, so I have some set questions I ask everyone that comes on. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. So my first one, and I've got a couple of buzzwords I like to talk about a lot. And the first one is joy. Uh, so I'd love to know what brings you joy in your life. I can go first. So um, for me, I'm someone, I'm a very, um, I guess, like energetic, lively person. So I really love trying new things, um, doing as many different types of new experiences as possible. So um, kind of pushing myself out of my comfort zone and like trying like things that are maybe a little like um, that kind of get your adrenaline pumping. So anything, any sort of type of things like that really excite me and bring me a lot of joy. Yeah, I I think um, joy, I, I love nature. So anything to do with going out in nature and, um, you know, taking the time to reflect in nature. Um, so anything like that, I think that that always brings me joy and peace and calm. So uh, I like to definitely always find ways to do that. So quite quite different well not necessarily different because you could be a adrenaline junkie out in nature as well <laughs> um, which I do enjoy yes <laughs> um okay so my next one my, my one of my next buzzwords is about meaning um so I wonder what makes life meaningful for you so for me I think I would say um I like finding deeper connections, whether that's with people and relationships, um, or just in general, like finding connections with things in life. And I love how things I think kind of circle back and, and everything, you can find some sort of connection with everything. And so, um, I'm not someone who really likes to have like small talk and things like that or surface level. So I, I like to really, um, get to know people really on a deeper level and like finding that something that really like bonds things and people together? Um, for me, I think it's uh, continuously focusing on, on growth, my own, my own self-growth and um, learning to be more and more comfortable with who I am, become more me. I think just overall continue to embrace and become more me uh, to, to my highest potential. So it's always something that I can focus on. It's never ending. And so there's always a purpose there in, in having that focus. So I, I would say that. So uh, one of the, I guess, the big focus of the podcast is mental wellness and, and mental well-being. So I have two questions around this. So the first is, what does mental wellness mean to you? And then the second part is how you look after your own mental well-being. Yeah. So for me, um, my actual answer is kind of what her answer was for the meaningful part. So <laughs> it, for me, uh, it's kind of bringing awareness to yourself and working on that growth and continuing continuously um, working on improving yourself. And I think that, again, usually does start with awareness. So becoming aware of, you know, where are areas that you can focus on, where you can improve on your, on your own, on yourself. Um, and so you can be um, happier, more fulfilled person. And how I look after my own is um, I really try to always be investing in myself, whether that's in, you know, going to therapy or um, working with a mentor or a coach or, um, you know, listening. I love like listening to different in, like podcasts that are more inspirational, motivational, motivational um, talk about mental well-being. Um, so just, you know, educating myself on that type of stuff so I can apply it to my own life. Mm -hmm. um. 
Yeah, for me, uh, mental well-being is really um, a life in balance, you know, so trying to really uh, focus on all aspects of my life, uh, of your life. And, um, you know, if it's more, uh, you know, having that balance between like family, friends, work, spirituality, all that. So kind of looking at those areas and trying to uh, find balance there. Um, again, I think just learning, um, feeling comfortable with who you are, not feeling like you have to be in uh, competition with others, that you're really just, um, in a sense, seeing how much you can grow. Um, so, and then I think, you know, focusing on bringing, doing things that are joyful for you and also focusing on, on being positive. So, so those kinds of things for mental well-being. Uh, and for myself, um, so I do actually, I do a lot of, I do meditation. Um, I think I, I try, I think it's important to eat, eat right, sleep right, you know, do all those kind of basics, because if you don't do that, you can't be at your best. Um, I, like, I try to get out of, outside every day. Um, I think, and then focusing on my own self-growth, I think really is something that uh, helps me feel uh, good in general, balances, you know, helps me feel balanced um, in, in my life and always giving it some kind of purpose. I think having a purpose is really important, so. Amazing, thank you for, for sharing those. Uh, so my next question is often a little bit of a challenge, so we'll see. <laughs> so, um, because I, I talk about mindset a lot. And so I, I challenge guests to describe their own mindset. Yeah. So I think I'm actually pretty lucky in this and that I have always had a fairly positive, optimistic outlook. Um, I usually don't let things sit with me or bother me for too long. I try to let things go. If it's something that I can't control, if it's something that's already happened in the past, um, I really try to see what I can learn from it and, but then let it go and, you know, not dwell on it and not realize that that's, that doesn't have to affect my future. Um, so yeah, so I really try to keep a positive mindset um, and, you know, always working on improving and, and um, I am a fairly impatient person. So I'm always, you know, thinking 10 steps ahead and my mind's always kind of running a mile a minute. So um very fast paced, I guess, and energetic, which sometimes can, um, you know, frazzle people. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm trying to work on slowing down and being more present and um, shifting my mindset a little bit in that way. Yeah, I think um, in terms of uh, mindset, I, uh, I do, I have a tendency to be more of a worrier. So I really do try to focus on um, being positive And not letting uh, the worries overwhelm me, like recognize that those things, worry doesn't really get you anywhere. Uh, you, can't, you can't control something that, you know, way in the future and that's what kind of worrying is. So, so really kind of pulling it, and I think that's what meditation helps me with is, you know, acknowledge that I may be going in that direction, but then, you know, realizing okay, that's not something to focus on. You know, there's nothing you want to, um, you don't have to dwell in it then. So you recognize where to stop. And so 
always trying to then bring my focus to more of a positive and on things that I can control in my life. You know, really bringing it back to that because so much we can't control, but we can control how we deal with things that come to us. And so having that approach, you know, doing my best to have that approach. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you for sharing this. I was, I was wondering, as you were saying, so you both, you try and have that, that positive mindset, but slightly different. And I wonder whether they complement each other at working together or whether there's ever any kind of clashes with having a slightly different approach. Um, definitely. I am someone, since I am more already framed in the positive and I am ready to go and do and like keep moving forward. And I'm like, I'm always very fast paced. And since she is more of the worrier and like, you know, not sure and more uncertain, I have to kind of pull her along and that kind of causes some tension sometimes. She causes, she helps me jump off the cliff, which is what we're supposed to do, (laughs) you know, to just do it. And, uh, you know, I would maybe take, be more hesitant about certain things, but you know, then you, then you dwell and you dwell and you dwell. And she's like this, just do it. And so that's, I appreciate that a lot because I really then, you know, despite worry, just do it. <laughs> yeah. And just sometimes maybe having a more kind of worrying and thinking about things, maybe sometimes is good to kind of temper the like, let's go for everything. Cause I definitely relate to let's go for everything. Cause that's me as well. And so, um, so maybe having that bit of balance <laughs> kind of helps for both maybe. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes I'm I'm not quite as detail oriented. And if, when I rush things, I might forget something or, you know, leave the little details hanging and those don't get, um, you know, uh, focused on. But when if she can kind of pull it back down and I can spend more time on things, that probably does help. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So my uh, it's my penultimate question. Uh, so I always ask guests that come on to share between one and three tips, techniques, uh, strategies with people that they can put in place in their life. They're going to have a massive impact. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll start. I'll say one. Um, so something that I've recently been doing and um, I've started to notice um when I do it, I also start implementing it or thinking about it more throughout the day as well. And that's um, doing a gratitude journal. And so I really like that because even though I am more already positively mindset focused, um, it still helps you bring that focus and that attention to the positive things that are going on. And that only allows for more positivity to come into your life. So I think that's um, one thing that I would say is really helpful and impactful. Yeah. So I, uh, I think that we often just sort of live, uh, like react to things and so we're not very intentional on how we're living our life. So I think it's really important to start building awareness of our thoughts. And there's where the meditation comes in. Um, I think building awareness of the thoughts, recognizing how they affect you, uh, and then and then actually challenging them because sometimes again our thoughts are things that really aren't fact. They tend to just be thoughts that we have throughout the day. Um, and they're typically actually very habitual. And so sometimes we just sort of live in them, but we're not even really recognizing that that doesn't necessarily um, mean they're, they're factual. And so the more we can become aware of our thoughts, we'll have better ways of approaching them and knowing how to deal with them in a positive way. So I would say that. 
awesome. And awareness is something that's popped up a few times in this. And I, but, but I am so happy it has because it's something that I, I talk about a fair amount because it's so important, isn't it, to kind of be aware of who we are, where we are, kind of what's going on, to be able to check in with ourselves. And um, I also love a gratitude journal. Um, it, I think it's an awesome uh, practice. So um, thank you for sharing those. Uh, so my last question is, how can people connect with you if they want to listen to your podcast, if they want to find out about your course? Where can they find you? Yeah, so we are on Instagram at Psyched Convos, uh, all one word. And uh, that's where you can find most of our information. That's kind of where we post the most, I would say. Um, we also, we have a website, psychedconvos.com, so you can learn more about our programs there. Um, yeah, and I think that's, <laughs> unless I'm forgetting something, I think that's probably the best places to find us, yeah. Awesome. And um, we can absolutely link in the show notes so people can find you. And when I post this, I'll share it on Instagram and tag you in that as well. So, Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting to you both, having having two guests. It's it's been great. It hasn't hasn't felt awkward. We've not talked all over each other. Um, it's been great. So thank you so much for joining me and um, yeah, for for bringing attention to a really important yeah. um, area. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Welcome. So thanks again to Laura and Nicole. And as I said, check out the episode of their show, which is coming on the 10th, where I will be their guest. Uh, and thank you for, to, yeah, to them for joining me and for the opportunity to be on their show as well. So uh, just, yeah, a little bit of a, what's, what's coming up in the world of Psyche. Uh, a reminder, we have our new Facebook group for parents called Support Your Child's Mental Health and Wellbeing. Pretty much what it says on the tin. Uh, but I, at the moment, I'm going live every Wednesday to answer questions. And on the 21st of July at 7pm, I have a webinar which is a focus on adolescent mental health. So really diving into what is happening <laughs> during adolescence on a sort of brain level, hormonal level. Uh, offering some advice and strategies and also answering questions so uh, you can check out the event page on my website or if you follow us on Facebook it is in the event pages there as well and then the other thing uh, is just to remind you that we are now on Patreon so if you really love the show um, it would be great if you would rate and review on iTunes uh, so that more people can find us but also if you you really love the show and you want to keep it ad free uh, and to help us bring you more great interviews, great conversations and to get access to bonus episodes, then it would be great if you would consider becoming a patron and supporting the show. So we are on patreon.com slash psyche wellbeing, all one word. And uh, there's a couple of different levels of support there. So if you're able to, and if you really want to support what we're all about here, then please do consider becoming a patron and you can follow us on social media at Psyche Coaching, all one word, and Psyche, as always, is P-S-Y-K-H-E. Uh, so, yeah, that is it for this week. Uh, next week, we have just the one episode, uh, although I am considering playing around, I've said this before, I know, <laughs> with a two-episode-a-week schedule, uh, depending on timing, but I have got a lot of great interviews uh, that I've recorded that I'm keen to get out for you and loads more exciting conversations scheduled 
Uh, so I'm really excited about the direction that Psyche is heading in. Uh, so yeah, I hope that you have a good week. Uh, I hope that you're looking after yourself. I know things are, yeah, starting to open a bit up in terms of kind of lockdown and that it's bringing anxiety for some people and, and change and uncertainty and all of that. Um, so just look after yourself and uh, be kind to yourself. You know, I think there is a lot of judgment around of, of how people are coping basically and so yeah I just think be kind be kind to yourself be kind to other people and uh, take care of yourself and we're always here we are across social media we are on the podcast uh, so yeah feel free to get in touch and yeah we'll be back next week take care bye <laughs>